Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 75. Welcome back, Adam Antimaniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison, and thank you so much for tuning in today. I know I've left you hanging for a little bit. I was on vacation, so it's been about two and a half weeks since our last episode. But don't worry, we've got plenty of interviews coming up and some very awesome and interesting conversations, so I can't wait to share them all with you. As I said, I was away last week. I uh, escaped down to uh, my family uh, share a property down in Florida, close to Tampa, Um, And I like to kind of escape there every six months or so for a week. Just take my work down there, enjoy some time on the beach, maybe hit up Disney World or Universal Studios. I hadn't planned on going to any parks this time, but my girlfriend was able to change her work schedule and come down for a few days. And she really wanted to go to the Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios. So we went for the second, second year in a row. And it's a lot of fun. They, you know, they reopened the Universal Park with lots of themed, uh, you know, haunted houses, and some of the rides are still open. Last year was, uh, I remember I lined up for close to two hours to do the Stranger Things haunted house. I didn't do that this year, but they had some really cool ones. And the uh, Academy of Villains show is always really, really cool. One of my friends is actually a producer of that show. Shout out to Jed, who then hooked me up with tickets to Universal another day. So uh, I went with my cousins, who just moved to Orlando and have uh, annual passes. And the reason I'm talking about this is because I wanted to share that. We went on the new Hagrid ride over at the Island of Adventure side, the Hagrid Harry Potter ride, which is a new roller coaster, and it is awesome. We lined up for an hour and a half And when we got off it, we were both, all of us were like, that was so worth it. And what's really cool is not just a roller coaster. I don't want to spoil anything, but if you're going to go to Universal or Island of Adventure, make sure you go on this ride. It's worth the wait. If you are going on it, so it's the the cars are, are designed like a motorbike and side buggy. If you can, go on the motorbike side and hold the handles because it really feels like you're driving. And if you can, I, I, got, I was lucky enough to be in the front row and I li- literally felt like I was driving this thing. And I don't want to surprise anything else because there's kind of like a few surprises in the ride um, that really make it special. So I'm kind of curious if I'll enjoy it as much the second time knowing everything that happens. But definitely try not to hear anything about it and then go on it. And then also while I was in Florida, uh, my girlfriend and I made our way up to Crystal River uh, where we swam with manatees, and that was uh, a really cool, cool experience. Just like very gentle giants. In fact, you don't even swim with them. You kind of just float with them because if you kick your feet too much, it actually (laughs) puts them in a panic and they swim away. But they're uh, very, very cool, very gentle. They feel like what I feel like an elephant feels like. And I guess they do call them the elephant of the sea. So that was a cool experience. But I'm sure you don't want to hear any more about my vacation. And there won't be any more for the rest of the year. So weekly episodes coming up from now until the holidays. And today's episode, number 75... That's a, that's a milestone, right? 75 episodes. Pretty, pretty cool. I'm thrilled. Um, and a really, really cool episode for you today. One of my favorite bands of the last five to ten years, Band of Skulls, joining us right here on the Adamantium Podcast. I think one of the most underappreciated bands on the planet. I only say that because I think they should be headlining big venues. I met with them in Toronto at uh, the Mod Club. 
uh, on College Street, and uh, I saw them there that night. Awesome show, as always. Uh, I think it was like probably like the fourth or fifth time I've seen them. Fantastic live band. All their albums are phenomenal. I was especially addicted to the first three albums. They're currently touring for their new album, Love Is All You Love, um, but they're also touring for the 10th anniversary of their debut album, Baby Darling Dollface Honey. I was lucky enough that night at the Mod Club, they played that album in its entirety. It was awesome. And they'll be doing that uh, over the next couple months over in the UK. So if you live over on that side of the pond, get out, go see Baby Darling Dollface Honey in its entirety. You probably won't get too many opportunities to do that. So get out there. Okay, let's do the Adamantium Recommend segment of the podcast uh, where I recommend to you five songs by Band of Skulls so you can listen to them if you so please. So, uh, I usually like to recommend a new song, so off their new album, Love Is All You Love, uh, my favorite song is a song called We Are Alive. And then going back to that first album, Baby Darling Dollface Honey, I'll pick two songs from there. One is called I Know What I Am, and the second one is called Fires. And then from their second album, Sweet Sour, I recommend the song The Devil Takes Care of His Own. And then from the third album, Himalayan, I'm going to recommend the song Asleep at the Wheel. Also, a more uh, obscure bonus uh, recommendation is a song that we talk about in the interview. It's one of my favorite songs also from that album, Himalayan. It's called Brothers and Sisters. It's kind of just one of the album tracks, but I absolutely love it. So there's a little bonus. (laughs) And before we get into that interview, if you're a new listener to the Adamantium podcast or you don't already subscribe, we would love for you to hit that subscribe button and tune in again. There are 74 other what I think are fantastic episodes for you to listen to uh, and plenty more to come. So we'd love to have you back. You can also follow the Adamantium podcast on social media. We're available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The handles are all different, but you can find us just by searching The Adamantium. Okay, and that's it for now. I hope you enjoy today's episode with Band of Skulls, episode number 75 of the Adamantium podcast. Thank you again for tuning in and have a fantastic week. Yeah, last time I was here, and actually... Wasn't last time or the time before we actually met once before. Right. I was just telling Russell, yeah, we you wouldn't we wouldn't remember. Um, I he, looked, he looked familiar. I probably walked past, walk past the room on the way to mine. Too, right? <laughs> okay, maybe I, maybe I just have one of those faces. But yeah, we did an interview once before, right? Before, right when Himalayan came out. Right. But I had I had hair as long as yours at the time. So yeah, <laughs> that's the truth. And I was yeah, yeah and I was. Still a bit baby faced. <laughs> I'd have been about twenty two or something at the time. Right. So, cool. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, congr- this uh, this is a pretty big year for you guys with both the new album and anniversary yeah. this year too. It's been um, really it's been really interesting. I yeah, it's a, it's a big year for the band in, in lots of respects, but not just with the releases, but just as a band, we're going into that another era. You know, like we've right. um, we've had this kind of transition period and written a record on our own and now we're starting to do shows with with a with a regular extra member right um julian dorio oh so you have some it's not just a three-piece on the tour now well no it's, it's a three it was it's been a duo in the studio i'm saying we went right. from two Instead people of, yeah. now we're back to three and we feel like a rock and roll band again gotcha. and it all feels a bit different it's mainly how it feels yeah rather than how it is and it's yeah. it must be it might have been must be quite different for you guys with with matt leaving that 
and it was always the three of you. That was so different. Being when, there's two, only, when there's only three and losing one is, is being two is big. Was was a big change. Yes, of and course. We, and we had to really step up and learn a lot about ourselves then. Yeah. We expected to write an album. Right. And we didn't expect to write an album so quickly actually. So um, although it feels like a regular release. Right, it's kind of we had to start the process a bit sooner than we were expecting. Right, and um, and all of that um, just combined into we just you know shit got real and we had to like get <laughs> right. in there. And so yeah, we once I think once the song started to form and everything, it's naturally you know we start we came actually over to Nashville and Julian recorded his drums and you know we almost made the made the record backwards right okay you know normally you would start with drums and oh really okay. yeah like often rock yeah. and roll you start with the drums lay the foundation and then you add and add it and, you know, until you get to like the vocals and all of the interesting sounds whereas this time we started with a song called Carnivorous yeah and it was like kind of phased out echoed out sounds of the rainforest. That was the starting point of the album. <laughs> we started with that. Like, yeah. Drums were probably the last thing to go on there. Interesting, yeah. So not the most, um, you know, sensible way to make music. Yeah, because one thing uh, Emma told me last time about is that all three of you kind of had equal parts in, in writing the material. So now, yeah. uh, was it just the two of you that yeah. wrote all the songs? Yeah, yeah we, well, we had... Um, well, I mean, we had demos from you know we've always got songs and ideas kind of floating around that we can pick from from mm-hmm. previous years. But um, yeah, we I mean we had a bunch of ideas and we were working just sending stuff between our two sort of home studios and working on you know we had a, we bought a small drum kit but we were also using like drum um, you know programming drums and more electronic kind of mm-hmm. processes for, to make like the backing tracks. And then we met Richard X. Um, who who ended up producing the record with us, but we also did a couple of writing sessions with him. Okay. And that was the first time we'd sort of written with someone else that hadn't. Did been you met. guys know him already? Or no, no we no. met him. Um, we we wanted to work with someone that wasn't a rock producer. We knew okay. that, but we didn't know who, and we didn't. But um, we got in contact with. Well, we yeah, it's sort of that our, our paths met. We were supposed to meet before, but we ended up working with Gil Norton um, for the last record. And this time around, we kind of um, yeah, it was a we, rain check. Day, wasn't yeah, it? <laughs> we, we met up again. And we met up, and it was yeah, it was nice to kind of get to know him, and we got on really well. And we just um, we went in for just a trial kind of writing session with him, and we wrote about three or four ideas, and it was quite exciting. Mm-hmm, and yeah. We'd had all these demos of kind of quite. Um, more electronic starting points, and he—that's his world, you know. So we kind of were bringing in other elements. Um, and working with him in that way, and it was really exciting. Yeah, especially um, the kind of un, not unfinished but like unrealized songs. Richard at that time filled the gap in that place. Okay. So we didn't, we never really had two members, you know. At that point, we, you know, Richard was sort of filling the, the gap. Okay. And then a little bit later on, Emma and I, I think we got our, found our feet again and wrote some songs. Okay. So, you know, we were using old ideas to start with because that's kind of what you do. You mm. sort of see how the water lies, whatever. And then uh, then we started writing songs and we wrote um, some songs. It's like Call Your Battles, yeah. We're Alive, Love Is All You Love. Love Is All You Love. They kind of. And Carnivorous were like our <coughs> statement. But, you know, that was like, oh, we're back now. You know, it's like, right. oh, yeah. Because it's not writer's block, but you, there's a ebb and flow to what you can do. Right, of course, you have to get a phone again. And mm. sometimes just going in with a half. You know, a song idea that you have, and letting letting opening up the floors to anyone to collaborate with mm-hmm. you is often the best. We've learned it's the best key to um, not getting stuck in a rut, 
trying to finish the song and keeping everything. You know, this is my my baby. And, right. You know, it, it, you can you can stay there for weeks, months, mm-hmm. even. And uh, yeah, so it was great. And Richard um, has some really fun techniques. He works with a lot of young artists that are just starting. And, you know, they're just having their um, maiden hit or whatever. And he'll um, agree on a song and a vibe of a track, and then he'll get a microphone and start you know, just like yours here, and um, press record and throw you the mic and say, "Okay, do something." Okay. And you're like, what? Sing a song. Yeah. <laughs> okay, right. In rock and roll, we practice for weeks and go right. in the studio and be like, we've got it down. Because the, the idea is, don't waste studio time writing. Right. Just go in there and record what you've definitely got figured out. And um, just, he did it the opposite way. So it was it was really fun. We got we got savvy in the end and started preparing things, you know, and coming in and singing, like, pre-made lyrics. And he was right. like, wow, you can make all this stuff on the spot. <laughs> we were cheating. Well, because I have this. This album definitely feels the most different from right. uh, from my perspective, anyways. Yeah. From the previous albums, I think it was going um, to. It was inevitable, really. Yeah. It was gonna, right, it was going to feel of course. Because um, the most changed. What What made you decide to go that more kind of electronic route? Well, I think it's a big part of our. You know, we it's, we didn't think it's electronic, but like more like like accessible or pop. Or less okay. heavy, or something like that. You know, lots of records that we love, and artists that we listen to are in more in that genre. And um, with us two agreeing on that, it was mm-hmm. easy to say, "How about a song like this?" And we're like, "Yeah, fuck it, let's do that." Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So before, I guess we treated everything with a bit more of a traditional. You know, it went through a filter of us all having to agree, yeah. and it's a thinner agreement. You know, the bandwidth of everyone loving something is a bit, um, a bit thinner. So yeah, we just had a kind of no rules really. Okay. That was the main thing. And the the theme of this album was kind of like a bit of like an anti-war kind of statement, but not so dark and depressive. I think we what? need to chit. We need to cheer ourselves up a bit. Right. <laughs> that was the yeah. feeling. That, that, war, feeling. that war is our own, you know, in yeah. a way. It was, we, okay. it was like, it was, we wanted to make an uplifter, an uplifting. And if we could get uplifted, then maybe euphoric, you know, euphoric moments as well. Right. But really, it was a kind of looking back now, and nearly a year since we you know, were finishing the songs, it it really was our own rally call to ourselves. Okay, so more of know. an internal battle rather than a yeah. global kind of then we, political we, we, thing. Yeah, you look back and you're like, but this, could, but this is and there are also can be applied yeah. to what was happening in the world because it is just people, you know. Um, yeah, dealing with being human, I guess, and really not doing it so well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, we're there, we, and we were like reading the news and going to the studio, and everything was so negative. And like, you know, we're like, you know, our band goes through this turmoil, and all this is happening at the same time. We're like, mm-hmm. oh my god, you know, you don't want to go in the studio and write some dark, moody thing, right? Because it's just too much of the same emotion. Yeah, right. So we we set out just to at least keep ourselves. You know, buoyed up. <laughs> yeah, buoyed up. Yeah, and, uh, and and it was fun, and we had a great time making the record, and and now those songs add into our um, um, canon of songs, and are the most uplifting moments. Of course, once you make a record, it's that's not you defined you forever. You just add right. that element to everything else you have. Mm-hmm. So we still have heavy albums, and we have some more like. Um, uh, songwriting type songs and albums that have got way more like um, delicate music onto and we've got this though to add to it now so um, I feel like this record is, is showing combined with everything else more of the full picture of what we what we mm-hmm. 
we it, didn't show everything before. You know? This this to me kind of felt like your. I mean. Title aside, even it felt like more like your John Lennon record, you know, like the uh, kind of like that same for the same reasons that kind of uplifting in a time of heaviness, kind of. And I mean, even the even the title itself is almost very close to a John Lennon. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really think about that. Yeah. Until later on, and then we're like the kind of love the we kind of thought it was funny. Yeah, and memorable because it was kind of funny. It's like slightly wrong. Yeah, know? right. And, um, and uh, but the song doesn't. The song came with the with the title. It's just right. like, that's what the song was called. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those things. Just like, well, there it is. <laughs> and even the um, the three singles, they you guys made this kind of trilogy video mm-hmm. series. Um, so kind of t- take me through that. What was what was the arc of that kind of storyline between the three the three songs? And what was like the significance of the boy with the stone? Oh yeah, the boy with the stone. <laughs> the boy with the stone. The guru. Oh, the, guru. Okay. Well, the songs we we wrote, and and I guess the songs have a great relationship because they were written at the same time. Like we we're saying, they were all they were off. Actually, those three especially were like the ones Within that a week, pretty much. Yeah, they wrote really? near the yeah. end, and they had the the message of the whole of what we wanted to put out there. Like right, okay. uh, uh, whatever. It's going to be okay. Let's just pop, you know, um, concentrate on the on the positives and just and 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 make a positive impact, I guess. Mm-hmm. And those three songs had that, so that's why they were chosen as singles, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, so you already knew those songs were going to be the singles before we made the video. Okay, yeah, which is which helps when you make yeah. the video. And then there was a bunch of um, directors. This is often a common process that pitch their ideas to. Okay. To um, we wanted to make a, a trilogy video. I think that was the only thing we said. Yeah. Link, which should link the three link, songs, you yeah, know, or have a running theme throughout all three of them, like it's a triptych, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did you always know they were going to come in that order? Um, mm, not maybe not. No. I think it was kind of we we just pitched those three and said, do we, you know, do, come yeah, up with some something, ideas? Yeah. So the ideas were fascinating because because yeah. often those guys are either already movie directors. Or about to become movie directors, you know, like right. you know, to, to have the rather than having three minutes to have seven, eight minutes mm. to play with. Right. They all got very, you know, excited, yeah. and uh, we got some great ideas. One of them was like you can imagine this. One of them was like a Game of Thrones style okay. tri- um, <laughs> epic trilogy, yeah. where like girls with um, you know elven ears and crossbows were going across the tundra, <laughs> um, and I, um, of course. You read it, going, okay. Do we do we want to go make this now? Yeah. And make this guy's um, or girls, uh, you know, thing into reality, and it's just one email, like going, right. okay. But the guy that we love the idea for is a guy called Nate Camponi, who is a great director, and um, and he had this idea about um, uh, linking these characters that were kind of going through almost like a. A frenzy of, of loving each other and then hating each other. Yeah, and that felt like it resonated with with the the kind of our experience and 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 the music how it felt. And um, it looked really striking. I remember him sending over the initial treatment and it just the colours he was using. Yes, the way yeah. he was like quite stark and kind of sort of quite vicious, but kind of um, it just fa- it fitted the visually it fitted with the feeling yeah. of the song immediately. It's like right, this is it. This is going to be good. The color is like work. a big part of it. The yeah, color is indeed, like well, yeah. it's the mood. It's we like, s- we yeah. spent a, a whole day, and they spent multiple multiple days. We spent, but they were in there for like a long time in this big cold warehouse in Manchester. Okay, 
pitch blackness apart from those big red or blue lights. Yeah. And in the end, you know, you get like a little bit of cabin fever going on. Like, oh, it's like we're in there. And they were like having full on fights. Like, people could go to like the emergency room. And then they had a ballerina dancing. I was like, wow. this is an intense thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so um, his reality, yeah, it came true. That, that's the beauty of making a record. And also for those sort of uh, um, people to have an idea and then make it, you know, mm-hmm. hire the lights and the smoke. And, and it's such a pleasure to watch it all the come process. to life. Yeah, like like the, their creative idea is sort of being sort of born and happening. Mm-hmm. And you just, really exciting. You, you, yeah, you just go in there like, and they're all rolling a car onto its roof and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> Who, what the hell is going yeah. on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was great. And um, yeah, the one thing he was talking about in the pitch was this, um, no, I don't know if you've seen it, but um, it's, it's uh, it was a Netflix and it had just come out and it was called Wild Wild Country. Okay. And it was yeah. about uh, a 60s, 70s um, kind of cult guru type cult. Okay. Which inevitably started off with a small thing. This thing got way out of control and in the end kind of imploded. Gotcha. And okay. a lot of the kind of frenzy and the kind of um, you know otherworldliness came from, from that and we just watched that ourselves and we're like yeah this is cool this will be good and then the young guy with the glowing rock um, looked in real life not very spectacular okay. it looked like what you might give it might put in your kitchen window with a small battery or you know okay. the bathroom Yeah. but with the, you know he was all taped up and uh, and with um, with the camera that was used it, it really did look like yeah. kind of, um, Indiana Jones style you know yeah. the sacred rock and uh, yeah, it was cool. It was kind of interesting because just with the boy with the rock, at first it was like he kind of brought everyone together, yeah. and then it kind of drove everyone kind Crazy. of insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other great thing is I'm not sure if this is, who's who take the compliment or not, but um, uh, the the guy that played um, the main character. Oh, Seth. Yeah. Seth. Yeah. Seb. Mm-hmm. Seb. Shout out to Seb. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah um, he has a, a not a major, but a little similarity in his appearance to our new drummer. Okay. One of the first comments, probably a British one, being really sarcastic, was like, "Great to see you got Julian in the video." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your red hair and like you know skinny. So I was like, I was like, oh, Mr. Trick said, yeah, could have had Julian running around with a rock. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of my favorite album tracks uh, was on Himalayan, and it's a song called Brothers and Sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, one, it's been one of one of my favorites for years, um, and it kind of almost felt it almost felt like that could have been a song from this album, even because it is um, a song that's kind of like how we're all different but all the same. Um, yeah, I think um, the whole. I think probably this album's most similar one is Himalayan in the sense of like right. the songs are kind of poppier. Mm-hmm. There's some up, uplifting. I think probably Himalayan's a bit darker. Right. And and a song like Brothers and Sisters. Um, yeah, it's a funny one, really. We were, just, we were just playing it the other day, actually. We were just um, we just started singing it, which is yeah. kind of cool. We've not been doing it on this tour because we haven't got enough time. But um, it was a kind of simple song that in the studio between us, um, Matt, and, and the producer, Nick Lawney. Yeah. They were worried about it being too simple. Okay. So they ended up doing this very complicated Drum drumming, patterns. which 
it's pretty much a bit like going to a certain point and pressing rewind and playing. It's basically walking forward and walking back on your steps. Right. And every and then when you got back to the beginning, you could walk forward again. Mm. And it and it sounds kind of effortless, but when you watch it happen and you or try and play it, right, it's ridiculous. And and, uh, and I remember that, and that was kind of cool to have what seems like this lovely song floating over the top, and underneath this kind of really kind of cranky machine right underneath it that's what I remember from that song wow okay and when when you guys wrote this song was it a similar type of feeling that you maybe had on, on this album or something completely different well, I think it was different yeah. yeah but I think there's a similarity it was like you know don't fight and let's get on right and, and it's probably another song on the record or, or somewhere else where it's like a bit more of that kind of frustration and kind of maybe like right to hell with the world but mm-hmm. But sometimes it's those simple songs that are... I mean, that's I was commenting to someone the other day on the radio what's uh, the hardest button to button by the way, Stripes yeah. came on. And I was like, this is the simplest song. <laughs> like, But yet, it's so it's still getting played on the radio. And it's cool. 15 years later, you know? Yeah. And what's cool with a song like that, it's it's not the one being sung at the sports stadiums. Right. So you can still enjoy it's, it. Cause right. it's yeah, way it's, it's not like, the one that's been so butchered to... <laughs> hearing anything enough, like... Yeah. Do you need, especially in the last couple, that minute, do you need to hear Bohemian Rhapsody right now? Probably right, not. Right, yeah. But of course, there's so many beautiful songs in that from that band or from that of era. Yeah. And and Brothers and Sisters wasn't a single. So in a way, it kind of retains itself. It's still right. fresh. Yes. We don't play it live. It wasn't a single. And we could bring it back into the set or it could get used for something and people would mm-hmm. probably discover it. Right. And sometimes new. even for the first time. So, so, yeah. yeah. So being single is not always the best thing for a song. Um, but it certainly helps. Well, that's what uh, was that was the struggle which the, the Gallagher brothers had for the longest time because I think for a while they refused to play anything from Morning Glory because they were just so well, <laughs> sick of it. I guess good problem to have. Good problem. That's it. Better. So that's definitely it. haven't got that problem it. now. They somehow got the, yeah. yeah. That's, they got a different problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. So this year is the tenth anniversary <coughs> of your first album, Baby Darling, Dollface, Honey, um, and you guys are doing a tour in. November, December, playing the album in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Um, but you did one show already. We actually did more than one. You did more than one, okay. But one officially. Okay. And Which um, was the Webster Hall one, right? That was the one that was yeah. booked in. And I don't know, we're going to actually do it tonight because we're not going to be... Oh, you are going to do it yeah, tonight. We're, we're just going to do it because we can. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Now I'm, so, even, um, now I'm even looking more forward to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah. Um, it is that celebration. It's like... And, yeah. and, and it felt like Webster was like the the one that was booked in right but we were saying we did a couple of other ones it was like should we go out tonight you know yeah. does anyone fancy a party we're like yeah <laughs> fuck it let's do it so, so does, it, does it feel kind of refreshing <coughs> to do that album again does it feel yeah. it feels nostalgic great. and yeah all of those things I mean it's like, it's, a, it's amazing for us that it's got a, t- a ten year, history of 10 years already it's kind, it's of, kind of crazy right? us because it was the first record we made and put out and and we, I mean, it got us to America and it, it right. allowed us to tour around the States and Canada and... And the rest of the world, and yeah, the rest of it, and then all the, the other, all everything else that we've done and experienced is, you know, that was the... From that. That was the opening gambit, yeah. yeah. And it's like, people have, have had 10 years to really listen to those songs and their lives have happened and people keep coming up to us and saying these incredible stories. Right. And it's just like humbling. Yeah. Because it's all—it's great that I love that single, and we have a dance party to that, and you know, let's get drunk and 
rock out to that song. Right. But it's often the other kind of songs that people have a sentimental, um, sentimental yeah, yeah. Um, element to. And I mean, it's such a strange experience to have a to write a song or to, to sing on a song, um, you know, and 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 have people come up to you and say that song has changed my life. It's like, what do you say back to them? Right. <laughs> It just, it's, it just what do you say back to them? I just, well, something like this. Yeah, yeah. It just floors us, you know, and everyone's, everyone's different, and it can be like someone's wedding or something really tragic or dark times, or and you're like, well, you know, who knew when we went in the studio and, and still to this day you go and make a song, and often if you give more of yourself in a, in a, in a song or in a, in a studio or even in a performance, if you put more of yourself into something, often is the case that people get the most out of it yeah and then you in turn get the most back yeah it's just everyone has a limited amount of that in them and you can't right. do that all the time because you just well, be nothing left of you what's amazing too about songwriting in general is is you could have written it about one thing and someone listening could think could, you know could relate to it in a completely different other way that you may not have even realised. Yeah. yeah. We, we experience that with artists that we like and there's songs that obviously, you know, you can go to and it's, you know, they soundtrack your life and it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of crazy to think that something you've, kind of, you've put your heart on your sleeve about something that's happened to you and other people relate and it's, I mean, that's the goal, you know? That's right. that connection between people. That really is our biggest achievement. The, it's like, yeah, that it's, is it. That's what we're doing it for. You're right. Like, you know, it's, it's not all the numbers and it's not all like the career and competition no it thing. can't be you know it's, that's the real yeah. rewarding thing I think. Yeah. And, um, and like Emma was saying um, what were you saying <laughs> well just the fact that yeah having that human connection with other people yeah. it's like the, the reason we tour is because of that the reason we write songs is because yeah, right. of that and it's it kind of that's why the band exists you know there's something that we want to say mm-hmm. and, yeah. and project and get out there and talk about because we feel certain ways about things and then you realise that you get out there and show people this and everyone else feels something quite similar or they back you up or they're with you or they find that interesting or something so it's it's like you know. and that's why it's just because we've gone through some changes we didn't want to give up you know right that's, yeah. that's what I was trying to remember yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right but, um, of course it was like that reminds us it's like wow you know to, well, it's such a privilege to have people that know your, the music you've made and uh, to like it's our responsibility almost and, and and our love to keep that music going and alive and, and still share it with people would be such a shame mm-hmm. it's a shame when bands haven't got the situation or can't agree right. enough to go out there and, and play those songs with people there's, there's plenty of bands that are around today that could just do it if they right. um, put their differences aside and, uh, and, you, and you can imagine the happiness that would be out there like we've of mentioned course. a few people already yeah. but like you know that's our that's our other sort of secondary mission it's like custodians of those old songs right and then as artists we want to go forward and make them yeah. work and and add to that kind of thing and, uh, well the, the cool thing too about first albums I was I actually just had this conversation with Two Door Cinema Club is like that first album is kind of like your greatest hits up to that point totally right is. like of your youth it totally you, know? you have your yeah. whole life to um, to do that thing and, yeah. and you all the kind of the misses Right. Don't make it. Right. Because they're all like it's like it's like five years of singles that you've ne- no one's ever heard. <laughs> right. <laughs> Unless like your local following or whatever. Right. Right. But it is like that, and um, so it's so it's more than just a snapshot of that moment. Mm-hmm. Look, and that's probably why we feel feel it so much. Your debut album, it's almost like your whole 
formative years yeah. and it's like a sound it's your soundtrack to your um, younger years and and all the stories and all the songs have all got these memories and yeah it's a bit much sometimes yeah you know? it's like let's imagine having a school reunion every night <laughs> it's just a bit like whoa yeah people you know and, yeah, it's was there any on. songs you had to like relearn? All of them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we, <laughs> we play we play the majority of the records a lot. But right. There, there is the you know there's songs like Impossible and Dull Gold Heart and Blood and Hollywood Bowl mm-hmm. and things like that which sometimes don't get played often. Yeah. Set. So it was it was a real pleasure to go through those and sort of pick them apart, put them back together again with Julian. And right, we, of course. We, we yeah. Toured, we adds another element Julian, to it. Really does. Um, about ten years ago, when we first did the sort of first laps around America and Canada, and you know he, he knows those songs from playing in his other band, The Wigs, and playing right. every night. I mean, I think we probably we played, sh- yeah. we shared this stage together. At, That's at funny. Joint headline yeah. bands. So it couldn't be more so perfect. He, know, he yeah. knows those songs as well, so it kind of makes it. He jokes that um, yeah, I know that record. It was the only songs you had at the time. That yeah. was your show, right? Like, Twelve yeah. songs. That was it. You know? um, of course, yeah. But yeah, some of them. Dog Old Heart is a song that we've rediscovered and we've been playing it at regular shows all of a sudden because you just forget like how you would write and it's got elements in there that remind us kind of how the DNA of the band is in that song. And so in a way, it's creatively, it's an interesting thing to revisit. Mm-hmm. And I think actually by just pausing for a minute to look at what we've done, we'll, def- we'll have an effect on what we do next mm-hmm. rather than... Um, always traveling away from the point of it it's like right. it's like oh yeah so it's probably true of lots of other bands I mean this is a new territory for us and an unexpected one in some respects but um, we're really proud I think these days to have any kind of career and and have an album that is 10 years or even a band that's been going for to have a career this it's long is, 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 already, is yeah. kind of rare it's more of a rare thing and uh, so yeah we have to um hopefully just kind of uh, pay tribute to it it's like it's not ours it's like it's this other thing there yeah and then move on and, and, and kind of there it is one one thing I actually didn't realize until um, I was doing a little bit of research was I didn't realize that the album artwork from that first album was a painting of yours yes yeah, yeah it was from yeah yeah, and I. And I here it is. Unveiled it. There's a there's a like a, a red um, tarp, a big square thing on yeah. the dressing room wall, and uh, <laughs> it looks like you're about to um, pull on those little pulleys. It's yeah. like the commemorative piece. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I found your your uh, artwork account and stuff, yeah. and and I didn't realize that that was a part of who oh, you right. are. That's so which funny. Is pretty, yeah, which is pretty cool to discover. We were just yeah, saying it's um we th- we always think that everyone knows everything about us. Yeah, and right. we, and we, we, it's so obvious, but it's true that yeah. it's not. Um, it's kind of mad. That that painting was I made four big pieces for my degree show because I, I studied art in, okay. in, in London, and I'm that was part of my graduation mm-hmm. show, and we we took it and used it with the label, we, and we made you know the the record the first record cover from it, and it's kind of. I, lo- I, I mean, the art and the music where well, we met at art school. So, okay. it was like, so there is that connection. We both, you know, as well as music, also create, you know, in another Both way. of you do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's, 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 always, it's, always, <laughs> it's always run parallel, which is right. really, really nice. And we've always incorporated our work um, in, you know, the album covers and the, f- the photographs and everything. And it's, it's always been a kind of yeah. using our do in that sense right and I noticed like because you have a a very specific style 
um, that is kind of very unique to yourself with, mm-hmm. I mean, if I would describe it, it's like kind of like all the shapes and figures kind of diverging into one kind of spot. Mm-hmm. Um, was that, do you, do you remember where that kind of came from initially? Is that a vision you've always had or? Um, it was, it was from going to uni and being kind of forced to make drawings from life because it was, okay. it was, um, quite a, a traditional art school and the first sort of four months was dedicated to sitting in a room and drawing the figure mm-hmm. and I loved that challenge of you know getting good at technique and after a while it kind of you know you're doing the similar thing and I ended up piling these bodies on top of each other yeah. and, and trying out just to just to do something different and right. kind of make it exciting and it just started that started the whole process for me mm-hmm. like that other world of surrealism and suggestion and the human figure and the sort of subconscious and, yeah and it's that um world of i don't know it's kind of hinting at trying to get at like a, a feeling or an emotion about being human and, and that kind of um it's hard to describe but visually yeah. you can suggest so much when it's not a direct uh, image you know from life you can yeah. kind of maybe abstract it slightly and you can hit on the feeling a bit more directly right. So that's that was kind of where that began, and like it's a lot of a lot of my earlier work is quite abstract. And, yes. And yeah. More recently, it's kind of evolving into this maybe being slightly braver, right? And showing a bit more of you know trying to hit that thing a bit more directly. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. And well, the thing is, everything that Emma said is could she we could be describing how we might treat writing a song. Yeah, it's right. a similar process. Okay. And we treat basically being in a band a bit like we would have done on any project at, back at um, college because it's just we're not trained musicians we didn't go to like the conservatory and, you know, <laughs> right there's not that background we don't have you know we don't have that we have friends that have this amazing talent and, and they have this whole other thing and we just show up and be like can we get away blue yeah. <laughs> yeah. and like what about us and just not even I'm not even discussed it can go in from any other any other angle like I was saying before like so I'm in a way like that no rules is what we learn and 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 I think we continue to do that, and yeah. um, yes, yeah, a similar process. Yeah, so, and it's, yeah, it's not the normal one. It's like you can well, us with a producer in the studio. I'm sure they're going, oh, "What the hell is this? <laughs> Why?" And of course, sometimes you do all that stuff, and it comes out like a rock and little rock and roll record. It's yeah, like, yeah. Well, how did that happen? How did we get here? Yeah, it's like all, all the album covers I know, other than by default, <laughs> seem to have kind of a variation of. The, that pattern theme. or something that theme which is now now that I found that out I was like it's very interesting I remember when Sweet Sour came out especially because the band was called Band of Skulls it, to me it looked like the, the inside of like an animal's it skull really or something yeah um, everything everything really post the first album is influenced by that first album and and it's kind of a continuation in a way, and the, and the one that was the least similar. So there was that one which was a, it was a porcelain, it's like a glass sculpture. Yes, yeah. yeah. So it was almost like another artist. Um, was it here in Canada? Yeah, it was. Well, it, it was in. Um, they were based in Quebec, I think. Right. Okay. Just outside Montreal, but it was. Uh, they had uh, it was two glass artists, and we went to them with all the paintings that I made, and they sort of they took note of the imagery, and we said, "Could you make this in glass yeah. somehow?" And it was so fascinating to see their studio and their work process, and we had a go at like making these glass sort of sculptures, and they kind of made this kind of exploding porcelain heart with like yes, white yeah. and red, and 
Um, and then we work with the label again to kind of, you know, refract it and reflect it and kind of make this kind of weird abstract piece, which is sort of suggested of something. Yeah, you know, right. amazing. It's so, yeah. yeah. The third album was uh, a three D um, representation, a bit like the sound waves that I'm yes. recording here. Of one of the songs off of the Himalayan, yeah. was it Himalayan? The actual song yes. Himalayan, yeah. And then and then these great oh, cool. digital yeah. artists, um, we said make it metallic, but but, but you know we were going to 3D print it, but it came out looking like um, so a dog had chewed okay, the remote, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And we're like, oh, that's not good, and then spray it like a, a terrible Christmas decoration. We're like, yeah. we're really disappointed. So it ended up this digital guy did it, and it was this kind of like liquid. Terminator yeah. gilded thing yeah. mm-hmm. and that was just mind blowing but again that was from the visual representation yeah. of what it sounds like it's like yeah, yeah. Um, the new album really a bit like what we're doing anyway is, um, okay. is return back to more traditional things and, and back to Emma's hand initially on it and it's there was there was some charcoal drawings and paint but like black and white basically Yeah, that was the basis for the um, the artwork and and it feels like it feels more like a, a cover of ours and the um, the last album to by default was the most d- um, different one and we could we had we were going to really change the game and go off and do something completely completely different we were talking to the these famous artists this mm-hmm. guy well I probably shouldn't say who it is but we were talking to a very famous artist to using one of his pieces of work. And we went like right down to the end, and he was like, um, "Okay, it's going to cost this much." And we're like, "Well, okay." And um, there were there were like hundreds of people in the pitch in the photograph that we didn't have clearance from. Oh, right. And it was from ten years ago. It was from a very exotic country, and we're like, "This is just not going to happen." Is it? Yeah. So in the end, we, it was a photograph from inside the the room in, the, in this church where we wrote the record, and it was only until after we went home and just we were a little bit like deflated by it, but. The, the eaves of the church are yeah. symmetrical. Yes. So it still looks like it of, still yeah. looks like one of our album covers because it's yeah. a symmetry that we always have. So it's it's the only photographic one we have, and it's a very basic photo. You can see like our lunches and oh, yeah. like, laundry bags. Never noticed like, that. But yeah, yeah. yeah. You look at it. It's like it's just it's really it's like really like behind the scenes. Yeah. But it's still kind of got this hanging down symmet- yes. symmetry yeah. thing. And um, yeah, and uh, who knows what we'll do next? But I think it's going to be it, within the theme. One day we'd like to look back, and all of the album artwork just look. It's almost like a one piece of work in itself. Mm-hmm. And um, we realise that now more than ever. But inspired originally by um, those paintings, which kind of are is the heart and soul of the, you know. It's how the, that music um, feels to us. Just how right. those things look. I think. Wow. It's a great answer, yeah. It's actually also, I think it's amazing too because it's how you guys met in the first place. Yes. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So all these things, God. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. It's like, it's like therapy, therapy session. It really is. Like, that's it. This couch is not big enough. If it was big enough, I'd, I'd lie down and talk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for taking the time. I, don't know, I know you guys have a busy schedule and are Thanks. exhausted, but yeah, I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to tonight. Yeah. Thank that's you guys. Thank you. Adamantium. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Adamantium podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd absolutely love for you to subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to your podcast. I'd also love to see you on social media. You can follow on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. Thank you again so much for listening.